Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. Okay. Hi, everyone. I am your host today, Benji Davis, and I'm here with my co-host today, Matthew Littman. How's it going, Matthew? It is going great, Benji. Good afternoon. So I am Michael Unterberg for the day. Do I sound like Michael? I know I don't have as good of a voice as Michael does. You know, it's just a nice sound when you hear Michael say, hey. But anyway, so um, Matt, Michael has a little problem with the internet uh, over um, in, in Gush Etzion right now. So Matthew and I are filling in on the hosting duties. And we have an awesome guest today, a returning guest, mind you. So Matthew, without further ado, can you please introduce our esteemed guest? I would love to. That'd be my pleasure. Thank you, Benji. Uh, Dr. Shani Moore is a researcher at the Israel Democracy Institute, focusing on issues of representation and parliamentarianism. He holds a PhD from Oxford University and was a postdoctoral fellow at the Political Theory Project at Brown University. He has served as director for foreign policy in Israel's National Security Council, specializing in Israel-Europe and Israel-U.S. relations. Nice to be with you. Thank you for having me. So welcome. Um, so Matthew, you want to start us off with uh, our big question of the day, why we brought um, Shani over? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you. So basically, um, what's been happening over the last couple of months um, is the International Criminal Court announced that Israel was going to be investigated for various sets of war crimes and various events which have happened in the territories in the West Bank. Um, and we and our listeners would love to hear more about what this ICC is, what it is, what does it do, and why is Israel upset about what is going on? Okay, I, uh, I will try to answer that, although I concede that it's not an area of huge expertise on my part. But first of all, I would just correct one thing, which is it's, uh, Israel is not under investigation because the ICC doesn't prosecute, isn't a, isn't a forum for prosecuting states. Um, the ICC is a court. Uh, where uh, a defendant would be a person, um, a man or a woman who is accused of uh, violating um, uh, certain uh, uh, crimes of war. Um, there's a list of really eight major crimes that are relevant there. And the important thing, though, to keep in mind is that the ICC is a court of last resort. So these are, uh, uh, these are categories of crimes um, that should exist in the law books of uh, the countries that are members of, uh, of, uh, of the International Criminal Court, and a case would only be referred to the ICC if uh, a relevant state <clears throat> was unable, for whatever reason, to investigate and or prosecute um, the case in question. Now, what has happened, uh, the most recent development that's made headlines here, um, is uh, a few decisions on the part of the prosecutor, uh, as Israel is not a member of the ICC, Israel uh, signed the, the Rome Statute but then didn't ratify the treaty, um, then uh, Israel is not really relevant for the proceedings of the ICC. But um, what the court has, has done is it has accepted that uh, a state of Palestine exists, even if its borders are undefined, it's roughly in the West Bank in Gaza and East Jerusalem, and therefore... Uh, alleged crimes that took place in the West Bank and Gaza and East Jerusalem are within uh, the, the, the remit of this court, as long as a state that uh, uh, might refer them couldn't prosecute them, them 
uh, could not could not investigate or prosecute these crimes on its own. So what has happened is that the Palestinian Authority has referred to the ICC uh, two ma- two big categories of, of issues. One having to do with um, Israeli military actions uh, in Gaza, in particular, in 2014 and 2018, um, and one having to do with um, settlement, uh, particularly uh, in the West Bank. From the perspective of the ICC, they can now begin a legal process there because those allegations answer the two requirements that would make it qualify for the ICC. Number one, they are acts that took place in the territory of a member state of the ICC, right? Because the ICC is saying these are actions that took place in the West Bank and Gaza, and the West Bank and Gaza are part of uh, the state of Palestine, which is a, a signatory of the Rome Statute. And number two, that the state in question is unable or hasn't investigated or prosecuted them on its own. And so it's been referred to them. Okay, so, okay, so I, that's, that's the two things that, that have happened here. Now from... Go ahead, yes. I, I just wanted to ask you a question. So it's interesting because you said the Palestinian Authority are the ones that uh, brought the case before the ICC. Right? That's right. But if they... And, that's consider, and you said the Gaza and the West Bank and East Jerusalem are considered to be this, this Palestinian state, this Palestinian region or, or something like that. But if the Palestinian Authority doesn't um, have jurisdiction in that sense of, uh, right, or how does that work with Gaza? What's their relationship with Gaza in that sense? Well, again, the claim of Palestinian statehood is really problematic here. And most of the countries that have objected to this move have relied on that argument. And, And the reason why they rely on that argument is, one, legally it's a good argument. But two, it allows them to not have to say anything about the allegations themselves. Because there's very few countries right now that want to make any comment about either uh, any controversial Israeli military action or about the settlement question. Um, They prefer not to have to engage in that argument at all. So you see that the opposition to this move in Europe and in the United States, the United States is a bit different because it's not a member of the ICC, um, but you see the opposition to this move, particularly in European countries, has been on that strict, narrow issue, which is there isn't a status of statehood for the Palestinian Authority, so this shouldn't be, um, this shouldn't even be relevant right now. If you accept that there is a status of statehood, Right, which is a really problematic thing to accept. But if you did accept that, let's put that issue aside. Okay, let's put that controversy aside. Then this would seem to be a classic case where the ICC, uh, uh, where a referral to the ICC would be relevant because the Palestinians would say, ah, we have a state, there's an alleged crime that took place in our territory, but our court system has no capacity to actually uh, initiate a criminal proceeding. Because, well, because they're accusing Israeli citizens of having committed the crime who can't be brought before a Palestinian court, right? So So, from their perspective, that's why this is relevant for the ICC in a way that, for example, other things would not be. Now, Ah, so the issue is, can I chime in? So the issue is the fact that the Palestinians don't have a judicial system that could try the uh, accused criminals? Even though, because I always hear this argument, but Israel is a democracy, has military courts, it has, you know, other means within the judicial system that if a crime happens, you know, there'll be due process and people will be tried and, 
you know, there have been soldiers that have been put to jail for doing something wrong. So as in, it's actually because it's irrelevant that Israel, is it irrelevant that Israel can actually investigate uh, potential crimes? No, it's not irrelevant. Or is that also it's, relevant? It's not irrelevant is that at all. Also relevant? I, I, was, I was only strictly speaking about, about sort of the, 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 the Palestinian claim for even opening a case. Now, what you, what uh. you raise is, is really relevant for one half of the problem that has come up here. Because Israel okay. would say, uh, and, and, and this has generally been accepted up until now, um, that at least for the issues having to do with uh, actions of, of, of the IDF, uh, and here we're talking in, in this case about actions having to do with the war in 2014 and uh, with the, uh, uh, the uh, violent demonstrations on the fence in 2018, Israel would say, well, we actually investigate these things, right? And we've actually prosecuted uh, uh, where it's been relevant. And we've actually, and, and in many cases, we've shown that there wasn't a crime committed. And in many cases, you know, so this has gone through an entire legal process. Now, if something has gone through a legal process, then yes, in principle, it's no longer relevant for the ICC. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and that, I would guess, I mean, I would I'd be reluctant to make any predictions, but I would guess that for the first half of this case, that will ultimately be the reason that it's closed. Um, uh, that it's very hard to make an argument that um, uh, actions by uh, the IDF um, in a theater of war have not been thoroughly investigated um, by Israel itself, even if it was Israel doing it, even if Israel's not a member of the ICC. Um, on the second half, the issue of, of settlements, um, there's a reigning argument that says actually no Israeli courts have ever really dealt with this. Um, certainly nobody has ever been investigated in Israel for the crime of transferring populations um, and, and nobody's ever been put on trial for it. No prosecutor has ever opened a file and then decided that there wasn't anything there um, worthy of taking to court. This is a problematic argument too, by the way, because actually Israeli courts um, have said quite a bit on the issue of, of uh, settlement in occupied territory. It's not the case that Israel has never... It's true that nobody has ever been put on trial for, for this as a crime, um, but it's not true that Israeli courts haven't actually ruled on this um, in multiple contexts um, um, and, and in some very difficult cases. Um, so, uh, but, but, but it's a much more problematic one, okay? Um, much, much, much more problematic than the first one. No, because when the Israeli courts rule on issues within the territories with, due to settlements, it's telling the state, you need to dismantle this settlement, or you can't build here, or there's an issue of access, or, you know, move the barrier, like things that I, as in... Sure, but, but the, in multiple... The, the state, but in not in multiple individual. cases, but in multiple cases... Um, yeah, you're right. Like I said, nobody has ever been investigated for the crime, uh, for an alleged crime connected to settlement activity. This is true. Um, but it's, it's also true that Israeli courts, in all of the rulings that they've made um, that, re re that relate to issues of settlements, for example, on construction or legal construction, for example, on taxation and all these things, I mean, there have been numerous, in 50 years, numerous cases that ar have arrived to the Israeli Supreme Court where as part of its decision, right, for example, uh, uh, a decade ago, uh, when there was um, a, a landmark court case about um, closing the Highway 443. Um, and, and even earlier cases uh, about Elon Moret, for example, in, uh, in the 1970s. Um, even though there was, like we said, there wasn't anybody being prosecuted uh, for uh, settlement as a crime, 
in order for the court to make a judgment about the issue at hand, it had to also make a judgment about the legality of certain kinds of settlement activity. Um, so so the, the argument that Israeli courts have never touched this issue, um, I don't think is, um, is entirely true. There is, though, I, I, I will say there is an enormous difference in how Israeli courts have dealt with the issue of settlement as a legal question versus how Israeli courts and Israeli military courts have dealt with all the other stuff that comes up that's connected to um, acts of war, um, including in, in, the, in, the, in the conflicts that are, that are under investigation here in 2014 especially, but also in 2018. I find the settlements issue really interesting, but I don't know if we want to move on from it, but just as in, because the Israeli Supreme Court has made ish, um, proclamations on what is legal and illegal with regards to the settlements. Like, we have a fair idea of settlements that can be that are legal and illegal. So then they've, but isn't the issue that the ICC rejects the premise that there could be a legal settlement in the occupied territory of the West Bank? Isn't that the premise of the inquiry with regards to the settlement? Well, there's a couple things. So there's <clears throat> um, the language of the Rome Statute is much more unequivocal and problematic on the legality of settlements than uh, the two corpuses of international law that Israeli courts will be relying on, which is the Hague Convention from 1907 and uh, the Geneva Conventions from uh, 1949. And the Israeli courts have made a whole bunch of rulings based on Hague and Geneva um, about the legality of, um, of different kinds of settlement without ever ruling in some large way about the settlement enterprise as a whole. Um, they have made many uh, small decisions basing themselves on, on Hague and a little bit on the, the Geneva Conventions as well. No Israeli court has ever made a decision about any kind of settlement activity or ruled anything legal or illegal or prosecuted anyone for any crime for violating the Rome Statute of 1998 because the Rome Statute is not a part of Israeli law in any way. It's, um, it was, Can you explain the Rome Statute? So the Rome Statute is the statute that the ICC is based on, but the, 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 the statute lists something like eight major crimes of war. Seven of them are, are directly lifted from the Geneva Conventions, and the eighth one is a really strongly worded uh, uh, an unequivocal uh, uh, um, uh, wording about uh, settling or allowing uh, uh, civilian populations to settle in occupied territory in a way that's deliberately written to make Israeli activity criminal. Okay, <laughs> so so and 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 as we said, I mean, Israel originally signs on to this accord and then later doesn't ratify it and and, and leaves leaves this. Now, the 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 other seven items in there are unchanged from. Uh, the international treaties that have existed since the 1940s. This one is done in a way to eliminate the ambiguity um, to make it so that, I mean, definitionally by, by, by that line, uh, uh, Isra Israeli activity would be criminal. Now, most people, by the way, uh, I mean, a, a, a great number of scholars on this topic already think that the Geneva Convention and its prohibition on, on transferring populations in and out of occupied territory already makes the settlement enterprise uh, a kind of crime. Um, but that there there's a debate, and there's the, the, the debate is based on lots of questions there about the wording and the relevance and whatever, but in, in, yes. in the Rome Statute, there's no debate. Um, so um, 
as Israel is not make a, it passive and active in the Rome exactly yeah, yeah. in Geneva it's just about active and we actually talk about this in our classes a lot right so the Geneva part but we don't talk about the Rome right. which is interesting so so Israel Israel the Israel isn't 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 doesn't doesn't see itself as bound with that and that's not part of Israeli law what the ICC is essentially saying is well that's fine Israel is obviously not bound by Rome because it's not a part of it but Israel as a legal entity only exists up until a certain line and uh, the the uh, West Bank and Gaza are not a part of Israel legally and they as of right. as of 2012 have a state government um, that has now signed on to the Rome Treaty um, and so uh, if activities that are illegal under under Rome are happening within uh, uh, this other state, then that is something that's relevant for this court to look at. So that's the, okay. the entire basis of the argument. So Israel's membership, non-membership is, is irrelevant, especially because uh, there isn't a question of, if, of Israeli settlements in this. Now, I want you to keep in mind, by the way, nobody is prosecuting a state. The, the, the only thing okay. that would, could happen here is, is somebody could accuse, accuse a person of uh, violating this uh, statute. So that's the question I've been, like, bursting at the seams to ask you about, then. You have been bursting. I really have. So you said before, you started by saying this was about individuals, right? That the individual gets taken to court. So who are we talking about in the settlements? Are we talking about the soldiers that guard them? Are we talking about the building contractors that build the apartments? Are we talking about the residents? Are we talk like, who are we talking about? Who do they want to bring to trial? I doubt very much it's any of the, the categories that you just named. Oh, um, so who is I, it? <laughs> I suspect it would be politicians and leaders who have made who have made political decisions. Yeah. I don't think anybody big honchos. Yeah, I, I think, don't, like, I don't think the know, idea. Former chiefs of staff, ministers chiefs of staff, of ministers of defense, and 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 yeah, that's. So the people who've allowed the settlement housing ministers to happen. Yeah, that's who we're talking about. The yeah, people yeah. who've allowed the people who've actively to made people who've actively made decisions to to yeah exactly. So okay. you you have Gallant, Benny Gantz, Avigdor Lieberman, for example. So the people that Benji is naming are today, like senior politicians in the state of Israel. So that would obviously cause a diplomatic incident, would it not? Yes, very much. If we ever got to that stage, that would be uh, uh, really problematic. But who would? It, this is what I I've had questions from my students on this before, because uh, the ICC, you know, and look, they have no power. Um, to stop Benny Gantz from going anywhere, the question is if member states yeah. would stop. Let's say Benny Gantz. Yeah, if there's an, would, uh, if there's an arrest charged. warrant, if there's an arrest warrant, and he's not uh, doesn't enjoy the immunity of being a a, a minister, um, uh, then then yeah, that's that then that's that's what the people who are driving this really want to see happen. So in, assuming he fails to cross the threshold, which is a different podcast, obviously, but assuming that happens and he's a citizen again. Yeah, I don't know why you're so focused on Benny Gantz of all people, but yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Just because he's Golette, he's you know, defense, he's involved. Yeah. yeah. But fine, let's talk about C.P. Livni, because she could totally, 2014, she's in the government, she's the justice minister uh, in the security cabinet in charge of negotiations with the Palestinians. She is probably an easy target because she's, is she now at Harvard or something somewhere in the states? Yeah, there's um, been attempts. So there have been attempts to issue. It was an attempt to get an arrest warrant for her, but not feel, because of ICC, but because of something called universal jurisdiction. But yeah, but that was connected to her being in the government in 2008, 
I, I, I remember, like, she was afraid to go to England. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, the, <clears throat> there's, there's, we're, there's so many steps here, and, and we've it. limited this discussion so far to a very legal discussion, and I think there's some other bigger things happening here as well, which I suspect you guys will, will ask me about, so I won't, I won't spoil it now. But um, in, in the legal sense, this is such spoil a... Spoil us. Yeah, in the legal sense, this is such <laughs> a, a, a long and convoluted process. We're very far from any of these things happening. And again, I would suspect that on the first half of this, which is uh, questions dealing with uh, the use of force in the army, it will be very hard to even get a case um, because, um, because it would be very hard to argue that, um, that, that, that uh, the army or even Israel's civilian justice system hasn't already um, dealt with it. On the second half, which is to, to deal with uh, the uh, settlement enterprise, um, there's a real problem that the Israeli judicial system arguably hasn't dealt with it in a way that would be satisfactory for the ICC. Um, but at the same time, as you guys are hinting, who do you actually prosecute and for what? Um, somebody, and I suspect that within a community of activist lawyers who are desperate to see this happen, um, somebody is probably working on finding the one really good prosecutable case, you know, and there probably mm-hmm. is one. I mean, there, pro- there might very well be a, uh, a senior Israeli politician or even not a particularly senior one who did something um, involving uh, settlement construction that really unequivocally looks like exactly the crime described in the Rome Statute. Um, and that did it in a place that unequivocally, as far as the court is concerned, is in territorially a part of uh, the state of Palestine, and that unequivocally uh, avoided um, any kind of legal issue in Israel because a court refused to to even entertain the possibility. And, you know, so I mean, I'm sure that somebody is working on the demonstrative case that they they think they, they, they could get. Um, but it's it's a bit harder to do. Those are the challenges in these two in these two kinds of cases. In the first case, the okay. challenge from the perspective of the prosecutors is proving that Israel hasn't actually investigated it, and I think that will be an insurmountable challenge. Although I, I don't want to make predictions. In the second one, um, the challenge is finding a real crime and that you can attach to a person that you can uh, charge with having committed it. Okay, so I have a follow-up question. Thank you. So far, you have given me so much more understanding and insight of what's happening here, so I really appreciate that. Um, So Prime Minister Netanyahu, for example, I think he came out with a statement, something along the lines that this is basically anti-Semitism. Can you talk to us about why he's he's feeling so so persecuted by this, why why this is... what, what, What is exceptional about the way they're behaving towards Israel? that leads people to to make that claim? Okay, well, so this is not a legal question. Um, And I think to understand why someone would feel that this is a manifestation of anti-Semitism, we have to sort of exit the bounds of this discussion as a purely legal discussion. Um, and, And think sort of more broadly, culturally, intellectually, what is happening here. Um, the the desire to see the Jews and the Jewish state as the real war criminals, when everybody knows what that word means, right? We might as well just say it. War criminal means, to most people's ears, Nazi. The desire to see Israel 
the Jews and the Jewish state as the real Nazis, as the ones who are the real war criminals, has been a part of the discussion about the conflict that Israel has had for decades, particularly in Europe. It's one of these very psychologically transparent processes, transparent, that somehow thinks it's invisible. Um, it's been a part of uh, particularly how opponents of Israel talked about uh, the war in Lebanon in 1982, and then later the First Intifada, and pretty much every uh, armed confrontation since, often with uh, very explicit uh, um, uh, comparisons to uh, the Holocaust and to uh, um, the behavior of the Nazis in the 1930s and 40s, and often just hinted and sublimated. Um, and that is the larger, even if it's not the legal question, which is what you guys were asking in the first 20 minutes of this discussion, that's a larger intellectual process that has been happening here. And what's happening with the ICC and with the whole concept of, of international criminal law is exactly the process we've seen happen already with things like uh, human rights or, or global anti-racism, where something that's absolutely important absolutely crucial for the international system, and by the way, something that often has very many uh, uh, well-meaning Jews who, who are behind it, gets hijacked by the cause of, of anti-Israel politics. Now, it hasn't happened yet, but the trajectory here to watch something important like the ICC turn into another forum for um, this pathological Israel hatred will be very tragic. The comparison I want us to think about is something like the United Nations Human Rights Commission. Because the international order actually needs a human rights commission. It's important. We don't have a functioning human rights commission. We have this uh, body that obsessively focuses only on Israel. Now, the ICC does not obsessively focus on Israel. In fact, if there's been one criticism of the ICC until now, it's been that it's focused almost entirely on African and a few uh, conflicts and a few other third world areas. But that's partly because of of the, the legal structure of, of this court, where cases can only arrive there when they can't be investigated or prosecuted sufficiently by uh, the courts of member states. But, but behind the legal structure, right, this uh, uh, fantasy of dragging the Jews into an international tribunal and proving that they're the real Nazis has been bubbling um, uh, in, in certain circles wow. for decades. That's the thing that the, the Prime Minister, even if his choice of words is indelicate, is, is referring to. And the countries uh, around the world that would like very much to have a functioning ICC and don't want to see it turn into uh, uh, something like the UN, UN Human Rights Council, um, uh, you see why um, these, uh, these, um, these sort of highly legalistic arguments are so tempting to them, right? I told you, all the European countries have latched onto this thing of, well, Palestine's not a state, so it can't refer cases, so please let's end the discussion right away. Yeah, why are they in such a rush? Because they don't, they don't want to see the ICC destroyed the way the UN Human Rights Commission was. Oh, because they actually believe in it. <laughs> yes. But they yeah. also don't want to be coming out and defending Israeli settlement activities or defending Israeli military actions in Gaza or anything because like that. Because they... Because they agree with the sentiment that what Israel is doing oh, is they wrong. they strongly at, oppose the settlement enterprise. Right, right, right. but at the same time... But at the same time, um, they, they would like, for, 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 for much bigger reasons, they would like a functioning ICC. 
They 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 believe so, very strongly that that a, so a, an international it, criminal court is is good, and that an international criminal court that becomes another UN, UN human rights commission becomes another place um, for a kind of um, politically based uh, bullying of of one country is going to empty it of any content. Now, um, there are many countries that have an interest in the UN Human Rights Commission being uh, so empty, particularly big human rights abusers. The fact that there's no functioning UNHRC makes sense for countries whose names I won't mention right now. Um, there are also countries that, by the way, would li like there to be not, not to have an ICC. For, for European governments um, uh, uh, and for the ethos uh, of, of many of, of, this, of this professional class of European diplomats, a functioning ICC is very central to their worldview. It's something they believe in very strongly. By the way, also, it's something they're not threatened by because, because again, when you're in a state that has a functioning legal system, there's, there's very little possibility that any, anything could be referred, any of your own domestic actions could be referred to that. Um, so, so for them to find a legalistic way of shutting this down right away is by far the best option. I mean, you never saw so many European mm. diplomats reminding you that there's no Palestinian state as you did in the last few weeks. Right. Because it achieves the two goals of oh, yeah. keeping the ICC alive yeah. uh, while not saying anything normative with regards to Israel's settlement exactly. activity. Because, yeah. I mean, they say that all the time. Yeah, 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 of course. And unlike the United States until, until recently, they also described settlement activity as illegal. I mean, the U.S. was always very careful to use words like unhelpful, Illegi not constructive. Illegitimate even. Yeah, things like that. Uh, very rarely did the U.S. Uh, – there was, there was a statement from the Carter administration um, uh, at the very end um, that, that mentioned the right. legality uh, question of settlements. But very rarely has the U.S. actually used legal terms to describe its opposition to – to uh, uh, settlement construction, um, and um, but but the Europeans have always been very open about about considering it to be a violation of the Geneva Conventions, and of course they, so they created to... and they created this mess to begin with by by allow, by being pressured into including that that that, that eighth uh, the... uh, uh, article oh. in, in in the Rome Statute. I mean, this was obvious where it was where it was headed. Um, now, the Arab uh, countries at the time who negotiated had a much more uh, uh, obscenely um, uh, anti-Israel plank in their demands for, the, for the, the Rome Statute, and the Europeans negotiated them down to the text that we have, but, but the text that we have is, again, as I said before, the question about the, the military action is very hard, it's, it's ultimately, it's hard to refer that to the ICC because, uh, because the Israeli army and the Israeli civilian authorities do investigate it in a way that's, that's that's sufficient, even if Israel is not a member of, of the ICC. The settlement issue is a real problem. This was a ticking time bomb that was inserted into the treaty in 1998 that everybody should have seen at the time. Who sets the standards? Because you've said now a few times that Israel sufficiently investigates these, these cases. I would imagine that some people might make the case of any country that they're, that they're just like sort of doing a cover-up or something. So who decides what that sufficient standard is. The ICC is. itself is would decide. I mean, a prosecutor would decide, and later a panel of judges would decide. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not an open and shut case. You're, you're right. But, but generally speaking, in your opinion, Israel's investigations would meet the standard that the ICC demands? That has been the case in other international forums um, where, uh, where the Israeli army was accused of all sorts of, uh, uh, all sorts of, of, of illegal actions. And it has usually been the case um, that, um, that ultimately uh, uh, international bodies accepted, the, even, if they, even if they had lots of criticism of the Israeli process, accepted that there was a legal process in Israel. 
Got it. Okay. So, so then, then my 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 question um, going forward. But there's a weird that there's a weird legal gray zone here, right? Because 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 Israel's you know I mean the, the whole the whole legal basis of this is is not to do with Israel. It's that it's that these these actions are supposedly taking place on the territory of a state that's not Israel that is a member of the ICC but that can't investigate it itself. It sounds very Talmudic, right? Yes. If you accept this way right. and you accept that way, then maybe then, right? It right. sounds right the way it sort of yeah. runs around. Um, okay, so so I have a, a, another question for you. Then um, you, you keep saying it's unlikely in certain. You don't want to predict in certain cases that um, it's going to be hard to make a case, right? Both both because the European countries don't seem to be supporting this, and because of the legalese which is behind it. Um, so if you were going to predict. What I guess prediction is not even the right word, but is there anything that Israel will do to prevent this happening? We keep the the noises we keep hearing from the Israeli political classes are we're going to stop this. It's not going to happen, but it seems to be happening. So what can they do to stop this going forward that we get that we don't get to a situation where Benny Gantz cannot go to England because he's scared of being arrested or something like that? I, I don't have an answer to that. I mean, what what Israel has done um on the first issue, um, if you look at the course of, for example, the three little wars that we had in Gaza in 2008, 2012, and 2014, is it's done a much bigger legal process on actions in, in 2014 than it did in the previous conflicts. Um, mm. So uh, that's had a certain sort of a preventive um, value. Um, but, um, but, but nobody in Israel has ever... I don't know why we keep talking about Benny Gantz, but nobody in Israel has ever thought to put Benny Gantz on, or under investigation um, for um, uh, for approving settlement construction. Um, and I don't know if that would be an effective uh, tactic in this case, um, but it's not under consideration. The, the Israeli system has a much easier time accepting the need to investigate armed military actions than it does the question of... Of, uh, of settlements, of settlements. Um, and um, the best Israel can hope for right now is 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 the, the 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 political and diplomatic pressure. But a legal process has its own momentum at a certain point. I mean, once it's past um, the exit gate, um, there's not much that that um, allied governments uh, can do. Um, I had um, one more question. Let's not have other, but I. What I recall is that the investigation is relevant from June, is it 14th, 15th? I don't remember the exact date, but I know it's the day after the three boys were kidnapped. Right, yeah, yeah. And that has to do because the PA signed up for this, and it was six months retroactively or something, and that was the specific date. Now, that seems to me a little bit of a coincidence that what started all the events in the summer of 2014 is outside the scope of the investigation. And we know that the Palestinians are also being investigated for war crimes, not just Israel. But if the main crime of kidnapping, you know, three teenagers is not considered, uh, it seems to a little bit of a hypocrisy. So I'm curious if you can explain to us why that is the case. There's enormous hypocrisy. But remember, the, the people who referred the case are the, are the, are the, P, are the Palestinian government. And and they, so they and they this on so the signing up was on purpose like is in I don't know about the signing up but I mean but I mean referring referring the case in terms of the they they're referring uh, what they consider to be Israeli crimes and even Hamas crimes they're not they're not referring their own right 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 that's a good point 
But as in the, the main Hamas crime of the Hamas terrorists kidnapping the teenagers is not under the scope of this investigation. Which... Yeah, but it would be really difficult to, to prosecute a case on that. First of all, it's really difficult to even prove that the kidnapping is directed by Hamas as an organization. And it would be really is difficult. It? Yeah, and it would be also really difficult to prove that, the, that, a, that a kidnapping and murder um, uh, like that uh, is, uh, rises to the level of, of, of an international war crime. Uh, that, that's always ah, a standard you have to that's come inter- back to. That's right? a good point. I mean, it really makes me feel gross that that's a good point, but it's a good point. Because, like, right. I get that. I, I mean, I'm interested. I, I don't want to take it too much more, take up too much more of your time. I'm just interested in one sort of more thing, because you brought this up now, is how are we, def- or how is the ICC defining an international war crime? Is there, like, a scale of people you have to hurt, or... A scale of destruction, I mean, there's a, or no, there's, a, there's a, like I said, there's a list of, of war crimes. You no, know, they're pretty standard list that we know. War crimes are things that are so awful that are even in war they're unacceptable, right? Things like so enslavement, kidnapping. genocide. Um, I mean, the standard war crimes, scale? the standard war crimes that that are that are that are we think of as prosecutable, by the way, are things like killing prisoners of war, things like that, right? There's so even in war, there are certain laws about how you treat prisoners who've surrendered, um, laws about proportionality, laws about discrimination. Um, and then, of course, things like genocide, enslavement, uh, ethnic cleansing, those are war crimes. The fact that on top of things like genocide, enslavement, and ethnic cleansing, somebody took went to the effort of adding an additional plank about uh, allowing uh, uh, people to move into an occupied territory as though it's on the level of these things was not... You know, it was a manifestation of, of the process we started, but it was a manifestation of this really burning desire that some people have uh, to see the Jewish state as the moral equivalent of, um, of, of the worst regimes, including the ones uh, that persecuted the Jews themselves. Um, that, that's, the, that's the kernel here of, of, of the entire discussion. Um, when you look at the list of, of, of crimes in the Rome Statute, you see one that is completely out of proportion, um, mm. both normatively and historically, and is only there for that reason. Only there to get Israel. Well, okay. He's shaking um, his head, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Shani, I, I want to thank you. So I, I have had my eyes opened up tremendously to what's been going on now. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge uh, and your wisdom and giving us your time. Thank you um, for having me. This has really been like so enlightening to me I, I'm looking at Benji nodding as well so um, yeah. thank you thank you very much indeed on our behalf and on behalf of our listeners um, thank you for having me that process where you learn a lot and still you're, fr- you're so happy how much you learn but you're so frustrated at what you learn that's where I'm feeling right now yeah. so thank you Shani for making me feel frustrated but more enlightened I appreciate it thank you for having me uh, be glad to come back and make you feel frustrated and enlightened again <laughs> <laughs> hashtag alright nice Uh, Thank you. And I guess, uh, as Michael says, this is the end of the episode. Bye-bye.